Hello and welcome to the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by Mark Sampieri. Mark, thank you very much for coming on. What's up, Business of Betting listeners? I'm Dustin with Pro Play Golf. I know a lot of you are obsessed with golf like I am, so I want to introduce you to our new Pro Play Wipes. We've got two products. Both are golf-specific wet wipes in resealable packs, one created to clean your golf balls and club faces anytime you want, especially now that all ball washers are empty. The other is our grip cleaning wipe. Remove sweat and dirt and restore your grips back to that brand new tacky feeling. No more slippery grips ever. Check us out at goproplay.com. That's G-O-P-R-O-P-L-A-Y.com. For business of betting listeners, please use discount code BOB15 for 15% off your total order. Keep it clean out there with Pro Play Golf Wipes. Sampieri, Mark, thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Jake. A lot going on. We usually start with background, but before we, we go backwards, I want to just ask, being a bookmaker in this current climate, this environment, there's there's many things that people talk about, uh, the obvious ones, but are there any unusual things that you're dealing with, putting aside the, the usual that people talk about? Uh, no, it's all, it's all very difficult at the moment with... Um, COVID, obviously, and uh, we've had to deal with the fact that we haven't been to the races since March. So that's uh, that's something we've never had to deal with before. And um, as a consequence, there's been a real changing of the landscape in Victoria over the last six months with uh, a number of the bookmakers scrambling around uh, to uh, start to go online, which I've just done. And we'll certainly dig into that. I just want to ask, I'm guessing... Well, one of the one of the impacts I've seen in the past sort of four or five months, especially in, in a lot of industries, including this one, is that things followed a, a clock. You know, a lot of times you'd, you'd get up in the morning, you'd head to the track, you'd put the stand up, you'd be there 30 minutes before the first, you go through that period every day or every Wednesday, every Saturday, whatever it might be, for years and years and years. And everyone knew when carnival time was, they knew where, you know, the quickest way to get out to the provincials, all these things were very much automatic and then something like this comes along and and really shakes everything up has it made you change the way you think about things entirely or are you just trying to figure out a way to get back to to what you know and understand and and somewhat of a normal uh world that's a no it's uh it's it's been a a real a real change jake um as you said all those all those little things that that make up my routine of my week have all been thrown out the door you know um, I used to drive to the country races uh, at, at least once or twice a week. And, you know, years ago I was driving there four times a week. But uh, simple things like uh, I've put petrol in my car, I think, once every uh, two months now where I used to fill it up uh, twice a week. So <laughs> just the whole, the whole uh, life has changed. Um, I, ha- I, I basically just go from the bedroom to the office now and, that's, uh, and then back and then back out for dinner occasionally to, to the lounge room and back to the office. So it's, uh, it's really weird. I, didn't, I didn't, uh, didn't mind it too much at the start because I've been going to the races uh, three or four times a week for 20-plus oh, years and uh, if thought, oh, this is like a bit of a holiday. And, uh, and while the business was still going really well and it still is going really well during the lockdown period with my phone business that I used to run on course – um, it hasn't really affected me um, on a business sense. 
So it was more like the lifestyle change and trying to come to terms with how that has affected uh, uh, your time. Because it, the most difficult thing about being a bookie is that you're on call virtually 24-7 when someone wants to have a bet. And now that we're operating from home, that becomes even more of a challenge because um, the punters want to bet. So you, you never get to switch off. So uh, that's, uh, that's the most difficult thing about working from a home office environment as opposed to the race course. When you'd walk out of the race course, you could sort of switch off, but there's no switch off now. It's just go, go. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm guessing given the location's the same, it doesn't allow much transition from switched on, taking bets or alert at any time to some recreational activities, whatever that might be. So I'm sure it's an almighty task just trying to remove those two things. I'm sure they're very blended these days. Yeah, and it's it, absolutely. And look, I'm one of the lucky ones. that I've got a business that's still running and has been running extremely well over lockdown. As most people know, uh, gambling turnover has been the one industry apart from alcohol that's gone through the roof um, uh, to the to much to the uh, to the detriment of all the other businesses in in Australia. But uh, we're uh, we're going through the roof, so uh, we're lucky. There's a lot of bookies, on-course bookies in particular, um, who are basically have been twiddling their thumbs for six months. So we've got a membership in Victoria of 150 bookmakers, and there's only about 20 of us who are working at the moment. So um, we're the lucky ones uh, who have to work out how to work our routine around our, our busy lives, but uh, there's another 130 of us who, are, uh, who aren't doing anything, and, uh, and the, the future for them is grim in regards to uh, what's happening here in Victoria. Do you remember the first bet you ever took? Were you at a, a racetrack up on a stand? Were you yes. uh, holding the bag? Do you Take us back to those days. Well, I, I was working with my dad from when I was about uh, 12 years old. So I started working for him in uh, at around 1980. And I worked worked with him at the races and uh, I, I did all the jobs with him. I, he, he made me do... You know, I was I, I didn't I didn't do any penciling apart from penciling. That was too difficult for me. I let that to the experts. <laughs> but I, I wrote tickets. I I, uh, I did my time on the payout stand. I, uh, I I took the money. I held the bag. I ran around and did a lot of uh, betting back. And I was I was a runner, as they were called in those days. So um, I, I worked for him for 20 years before getting my own license in 2001. And uh, I remember my first race meeting, I was very excited to go to uh, Terralgan down in the Latrobe Valley. Um, it was a bit of a wet track that day. We had the first race. I held $700. I won $200. And then the stewards inspected the track and abandoned the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, hang on, I, the $200 I won, I've got to give to my staff member. Uh, so I gave him the 200 and said, yeah, there you go. I'll, I'll come for nothing. You got 200 And then we drove home <laughs> after one race and... Uh, Remember the old man said to me, you didn't win, did you? I said, yeah, I did. He said, oh, it's a disaster. I said, you can't win on your first meeting. Otherwise, there's nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing recollection of, of that experience. And I guess it's it's a funny little microcosm of all the different nuance that comes with gambling. You might have won, but then you you know, you know pay out your clerk or the people helping you. And then what that sets the stage for over the coming you know 19 years or 20 years to come, it's it's quite an interesting tidbit. Yeah, and it's it actually, that's it, you've scratched a little... A little itch there. That's that's the main um, way that bookmakers can try and survive these days is by covering their expenses 
and uh, our expenses have always been very difficult. And with the, in, the, the increasing internet business now and the, the lessening of the on-course turnover, the expenses have become a much, much bigger part of an on-course business. So uh, the, the operations have become smaller and smaller on course to a state now where they're very inconsequential to the industry. Tell me about through the the eighties, the nineties, into the two thousands. Turnover is a is a buzzword, is a keyword. Obviously, what was your thought process behind turnover? Was it a dirty word? Was it the the be all end all? Was it something that evolved and changed? And in some circumstances, you were happy, thrilled to to, to increase turnover. Or, or tell us that mindset. Um, my dad always always told me um, turnover is irrelevant. He said all all that matters is how much you win. You see, you see a lot of bookies, and and they talk about how many tickets they've written, and how much they're turned over, and uh, and they measure their their business on that. We've never been like that. We've always measured on on what we win, Jake. So uh, turnover was something you didn't really have to worry about back in the eighties and nineties because it was enormous. Um, a, a normal, we'd go to Mooney Valley in on a Saturday. And uh, as one of the biggest bookies there in the 80s and 90s, you wouldn't have any trouble holding over a million dollars in bets for the day. And uh, that, that's just the eight races in, in Melbourne. Uh, it's no internet-type-based turnover that you get these days where you're working on a sporting event and uh, an international race in the world. So turnover was always, was always just sort of almost taken for granted by the bigger bookies. As things changed into the 90s, the, the real hit first came for the onlookers with the opening of the casino in Melbourne. It was almost like an overnight change that the turnover dropped on course for the Melbourne bookies. From there into the 2000s when uh, the internet has all started up, it, it has just declined ever since for the on-course bookmakers to the point now where it's very difficult to make ends meet in regards to on-course turnover, if you relied on cash, I can't understand why you would want to go to the races and work. It's, it's like almost like a hobby industry. You, you just There's just no cash there. So unless you have a phone clientele like I do, there's no, there's no point really being at the races anymore. People just don't go and it's going to be worse. How did you know that you would win if you did all the right things that you were taught, that you watched your father do and his colleagues over the years? Was there was there something other than just intuition and understanding that that's what was done and therefore it'll end up in the same way? Or how did your evolution of learning develop? Well, the, the main things um, that we learned from our our early days as bookmakers was you won. There was two ways you won. Number one, you had to have the information. And by looking after the customers in those days, who were your biggest punters, a lot of trainers, um, a lot of owners, a lot of people connected with stables. We would get the best information on the horses and their chances, and as simple as that. Um, these days, that information isn't necessarily there because those people aren't betting with the on-course bookmakers. But in those days, every trainer and owner had his bookmaker who he bet with, and consequently, we would know a lot about the horses and their chances. The other 
main way that we won was very similar to the same way you win now is you learn who your client is and you learn their betting behaviour and then you extrapolate that behaviour to um, your risk management of that particular client and, uh, and but basically you play the client. You, you know some blokes win and you know some blokes don't. So uh, you judge judge that and then you go from there. So on that client betting behavior, that seems to have evolved a lot over the years and as certainly as technology has evolved. I'm guessing in 1980 when you were working with your father, you weren't able to necessarily fully understand a new person walking through the gates uh, to, to place a bet with you, whereas now with technology and other things, it's more possible. With respect to that, is that something where it's shifted too far? Because plenty of people complain about getting shut off and I'm guessing if they went down to the you know, Flemington uh, in the late 80s or early 90s, they probably could have got a, a decent bet on a 4-1 to chance and many of those people will complain today. What's your feelings and thoughts on that topic? Because I'm guessing there's still there's still some, uh, I guess there's nuance when it comes to understanding a punter. It might be that they're very good at, at Terrelgan. They're very good at uh, first up, you know, first starters in, in Bendigo and, and they can get you there. But, you know, Saturday during the carnival, it's a little different. So is there something we're missing when it comes to that these days or what's your take on it? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, a lot of corporate bookmakers these days, as you said, just shut off clients uh, who win. We always found that the best thing to do with the clients who win was to have them betting with you. Um, as long as they weren't betting too large and you could manage um, their business, um, by having those clients betting with you, it's the same as having the trainers and the owners betting with you. You, you have information and you know which clients are smart. We had, we had certain customers who, when they backed a, a runner of Colin Hayes, we knew that we need to do, get off it and put some on for ourselves. We had certain customers that would throw a bit of money around, but when they bet big into a two-year-old race, we know that we're not going to take that two-year-old long. We go with them. So the, the real art of the bookmaking back then was to have as many of those winning clients betting with you. Um, and the turnover was such that you could have those guys betting with you and then the other horses because it wasn't hard to lay It's impossible to lay them. You can be uh, you can be trying to lay something that you know is not just can't do that on course. In those days, with the winning punters betting with you, then everything was in your favour. So um, I still don't understand why a lot more of the corporates don't take on the winning punters and and learn from them. Uh, they seem to shut them off. Um, I think because they're such big operations that they don't have the intricacies to be able to to deal with um, a particular punter's nuances and behaviours, whereas when we were a small operation, we'd, you know, on a busy Saturday back in the, the Halcyon days, we might have seven or eight staff working at the main stand and we would be able to, to work out which punter was doing what and, and in real time make that work to our advantage. Um, obviously, these days, it's, it's difficult for the corporates to do that because they're too big an operation. And the on-course bookmakers can't do it now because a lot of those punters aren't betting with the on-course bookies. Yeah, it certainly sounds like the problem has compounded on itself by the fact that, you know, maybe these bigger organizations aren't as agile as you might be able to be. And then that lack of turnover means that 
you know, in the early nineties, if you got thirty thousand at four to one, uh, you know, during a carnival, you could work your way around that far easier than today. I mean, a lot of people will dream of getting thirty thousand on a four to one these days, and, and it's probably just not viable unless they're. Hey, Jake, it wouldn't be just during the carnival. We'd have blokes having thirty or forty or fifty thousand on things, at, at, like I said, at Mooney Valley in the middle of winter. And back in those days, in the eighties and nineties, you only had to take step to two or three bookies to be able to back it back it wasn't wasn't hard to back a horse to win fifty thousand with one bookmaker on the rails there was some big bookmakers you could easily get on to win a hundred thousand in a minute or two so um it wasn't a problem getting off so it's never a problem taking the bet if you know you can get off and when the clients come up to you it's not like you're the only person who was offering uh nine to two or or $5.50 in today's terminology, um, it would be available everywhere because the bookmakers were quite consistent with their price back in those days. So it, it, it wasn't a problem. Tell me about this art versus science. You talked about some of the on race day agility you need to make quick decisions, I'm guessing. Uh, it strikes me these days there is a little bit of science to it as well. Have you seen over the years people heavily focused towards you know, the old theory of looking a punter in the eye and, and figuring out if it's a good bet to take or a bad bet to take. And I'm obviously being slightly facetious, but I think there's an element of that that, that is real to now where it's, you know, much more data-driven, data-heavy speed maps and a lot of things that fit more into the science category that require some, you know, manual tweaking and, and intuition as well. But it's certainly a, a very heavy part of the process. Have you seen, certainly in the bookmaking side, people take both approaches or a combination that's worked well, or is it your opinion that more of one is probably better than the other? Yeah, well, look, originally bookmaking was all about science or put better. It was about mathematics. Um, and it was the, the bigger, more flamboyant bookmakers of the 80s and 70s and 90s, uh, people like Mark Reed and my, my father, uh, Sid Hill, they would, they would change the face of bookmaking by making it more about art, by taking a set against a certain horse and working out a way how, how they were going to maximise their winnings. So it wasn't necessarily about mathematics for those guys. I mean, they, they knew their maths as good as anyone, but it certainly became more of an art form and more of a, a management of a client type of industry. And then that changed again now with technology. Uh, technology has made it go the other way. Uh, it's now more about science. It's more about mathematics again now. Um, you know, the punters are armed heavily, most probably than the bookmakers these days in regards to their science. And so we're having to try and decipher uh, all the uh, all the arrows coming towards us uh, from the uh, you know highly highly sophisticated. We didn't have those sophisticated punters. We didn't need them. We had we had people who would come to the races and throw money at us because we were the only game in town. So uh, we're not the only game in town now. And uh, and it's so it, it's gone full circle. It went from maths to art and back to science now. Uh, technology has driven it, and uh, the punters have driven that more than the bookmakers. Did every bookie throughout your, you know, let's say early 2000s or even 80s and 90s as well, did they all know the, the on-course product, every horse, every jockey, every tra trainer, every track condition, all the weather, were they all fully aware of all those data points or were some very happy to roll up to a track, not necessarily have everything perfect, but could still 
get up on the stand, take bets, and and work their way through the day without needing to be a specialist when it came to that. Yeah, no, I would I would say it was fifty fifty. Uh, I'd say half an idea what they were doing in regard to uh, the horses, the form, and the information, and the other half of the bookies just got there. They wouldn't have known one horse from another, but they just worked, figured, I'll just lay every horse in the market and try to do that at the right price and see how I go at the end of the day. So I think I think it's it's always been like that. I think it still is like that. It, it hasn't changed now. There's some bookies who go to the race, some of the bigger bookies now, who wouldn't know one horse from the other. Uh, they, they're just purely there to work to lay every horse and hope for a result and uh, that's become harder and harder to do because the margins have come down so much over the last five to ten years especially with uh, the advent of Betfair and uh, of turnover that we described before. Tell me what the word competition means because obviously the punters are out there and they're all trying to, to empty your bag but there's bookies out there as well and you mentioned Betfair there's plenty of other mediums these days how has the word competition evolved? Is it something that's pretty obvious and it's just against the punter or is there other forms that you need to be aware of? Yeah, well, these days um, the competition is, is more uh, against against the other bookmakers where before it was against the punters. So uh, now the, the bookmakers make up a large majority of your business on the race course because uh, they're holding the money and, and betting back Whereas uh, in the old days it was the punters and you would just you would offload some of the punters' money, but not so much of it if you if you knew what I mean and you were happy to take that punter on. But these days um, you're competing with each other for the minimal amount of money that is there on track, and not only that you're competing with Betfair. If you have a look at the on-course bookies now, nearly everyone is staring at a Betfair screen as they're working. Um, to make sure they're competitive with Betfair because they know if they're not competitive with Betfair, they're not going to get a bet. So uh, it's, uh, it, it's, it's almost like a race to the bottom in regards to the percentages and um, the competition between the on-course bookmakers now. Uh, it's not so much the case uh, when you look at the, the corporate bookmakers. Uh, their main thing is um, the tax regimes that have been imposed on them by uh, – all the uh, all the state racing bodies. So uh, it's a little bit different for us. We're in a, a quite a attractive position for our tax that is levied upon us. But on the other hand, we have to compete very hard against each other to get a bet. When did it first become apparent that Off Course was going to be a competitor when it comes to Betfair, when it comes to big corporates and and how did that process go? Because it, it was probably, you know, like you talked about, the Halcyon days for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and then a lot of different things from big competitors to changing in taxation structure and, and how race fields legislation has been imposed and so on have really stifled things, it seems like, from a distance. Yeah, well, it, it, it all stemmed from being able to bet off course. I mean, um, uh, SP bookies and, uh, and, and that type of thing started up in the... They've always been around, but with phone clientele, they started up quite heavily in the 90s. And, uh, and as soon as that started and, and phone betting became a thing, I mean, the turnover with the on-course bookies has dropped significantly. And then internet in the early 2000s and, and onwards has, uh, has stifled that, that uh, on-course environment even more to the point now where it really is 
we're just like a little cottage industry, really, um, at, at the race course. So, uh, yeah, the phones, phones started it and then internet's accelerated it and there's no turning back now. The, the on-course environment will always be uh, as it is now. I think it'll just stagnate. Um, I can't see it getting worse, but there won't be the bookmakers coming through to replace the old bookmakers as they, as they disappear. Tell me what a, what a, let's say I'm a sports bet client. I'm 19 years old. I've really only ever used sports bet or a competitor of theirs. I like racing. I watch racing. I've never really been to the track, but I enjoy racing. And what type of experience are they missing out by not going with someone like yourself? And you can talk a little bit about the transition from retail focus to online now, if you like, but how, how do you go about attracting that type of customer if they're used to, you know, one of the typical corporate offerings that exist now? Well, the unfortunate thing is, Jake, that we've, we haven't been able to attract that type of customer to the race course. So uh, that's always been uh, a major falling of, I suppose, not only the bookmakers, because I don't think there's anything more we can do than offer the best odds, which we do. I mean, if, if a, a punter comes to the race course, he's going to get better odds than anywhere else in the whole world. But uh, people just don't go. So um, the race clubs have tried everything to get them there, but they, they, no one seems to be able to get people to go to the races for just a normal race meeting. It just doesn't happen. Um, so there, uh, there, you then start to think about the people who are betting, and there's people betting plenty of money and taking uh, odds which are far inferior to the, the ones that are available on course. So you think to yourself, well, why, why are these people doing that? It's just obviously just for convenience. So in my online space that we've just commenced with uh, Real Bookie, uh, we see our, our main selling point going forward as offering superior prices, um, especially on the Melbourne races, which is our specialty, um, to the punter. So that, that's, that's the way you can try and generate your business because as a small player online, the tax benefits are so that you can offer better odds and still be in a better position than someone who's offering lesser odds. So um, it's it's all it, the price is not necessarily relevant on course because people have shown that they just refuse to come to the races and, and take the better odds. But online, I think people are smart enough to work out who is offering the best odds because they can see at the click of a, a button very quickly where, where the best odds in, in that particular marketplace is. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I'm worried about the institutional knowledge of, of guys like yourself and others who have been around for you know 30-plus years, 20-plus years, 10-plus years, and where that all leads. Have you thought about that, especially when it comes to you know the current day and age and where your colleagues who have 20, 30 years of knowledge in the bank uh, are going to be able to apply their craft? Because we certainly don't want to lose them However, the, the shrinking and tightening of things is, is obviously posing a challenge. Yeah, I, I think we, we are going to lose them, Jake. I can't see any other solution. I mean, I've been up online now for two months and the skill set is completely different uh, when you're working online. I mean, the, the basics are the same, but what you're doing online that doesn't really relate to the way I'm standing up on a, on a, a bookie's stand on the race course. It's completely different. So... Uh, we're going to lose that 
that skill set of, uh, of people who plied their trade at the races. I don't think there's any way around it. Uh, the way forward isn't that the race course bookmaker will survive. So um, even now, the skill set at the races is, is more about uh, trying to manage your, um, your, your turnover in regards to tr- trading on Betfair and, uh, and arbitraging your bets. So that, that's already started to change. The bookmakers who used to work as bookmakers um, in a traditional sense have, have almost disappeared already. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's any there's any saving that skill set. I think it's going to disappear. What made you transition to online? I'm, I'm guessing you would have you know, considered it for a long time now as things have progressed through the last decade or so. What was the impetus now and, and how do you see that rollout over the next couple of years? Um, so, look, it, it, it's become uh, priced at a certain point now in regards to um, the level that we need to come in at. So I, I can start up an online business quite economically and there's been a number of Victorian bookmakers, I'd say almost um, almost sort of seven or eight of us in the last sort of six to 12 months that have gone online um, because it's available to us on an economic basis. Obviously, I've been thinking about it for a while and uh, with, with the turnover, especially the last couple of years, even dropping even further, I, I just haven't been able to see a, a workable future on the race course. And I've, I've sort of proved that to myself this last six months while I've been locked up at home that I've been, been able to manage and maybe run my business more profitably um, from my home office, my phone business that I would normally run on the race course um, at home has been has been better. So it's another example of, of why I don't really need to be on the race course anymore. And another example of where the future is, the future is in, in technology and betting on the internet. So I can afford to do it now because I can get in at the right level. And then going forward, um, the main thing we need to get our head around now is, uh, is that it's a 24-7 operation and I just, I, I, I still can't, I can't quite gauge that because I you know, to switch off my mind in the past, but but now you're beholden to people um, every minute of the day having a bet somewhere. So it's a it's a, it's a bit difficult from that perspective. But we'll get our heads around that eventually. How do the conversations go when you you know I know you're part of the the bookmakers in Victoria, the coalition there. How do they go when you're talking to other participants or stakeholders? when you say that we're going to lose some of these people that have been around for 20, 30 years, 15 years and have helped drive this industry forward, is there any sense of we need to scratch and claw and, and make sure we figure out a way forward for you know, a large portion of what makes this wheel turn, which is the bookmakers? Absolutely. I mean, the bookmakers haven't given up. There's, there's, there's a lot of bookmakers doing everything they can to try and make the on-course experience as successful as possible. Um, we're doing everything we can to get people to come and bet with us, to come to the races. We're, we're trying trying everything, but you know, I, I, I just can't see how it's going to improve. At, at, in, at most, we'll hold on. So there's a lot of little bookies, and we haven't forgotten about them. We're doing everything we can, Jake, but uh, personally, I, I think it's a, a losing battle. Um, the future for on-course bookmaking really is, is just working uh, – over carnival times, on on lawns, and that where you're a bit of a novelty, and, and people are happy happy to have their five and ten dollars each way. So uh, we certainly haven't forgotten about trying to do everything we can, 
but it's just it's just a very difficult situation um, when you have to deal with archaic conditions a lot of the time at the race courses, um, race clubs who aren't necessarily sympathetic to bookmakers anymore because if anything they see us more as a um, an impost on the system as opposed to um, helping them. Uh, we don't really provide them any financial input anymore because we don't hold enough money, so our turnover doesn't generate um, fees for the race clubs like it used to. So uh, apart from being a bit of a, a novelty and a, and a bit of an attraction uh, like, a, like in a museum almost, the, the bookmakers aren't really adding too much to the race club. So, I mean, we've really only got ourselves that are pushing the barrow and uh, it, it's difficult. What about carnival time? Is there a viability there? Absolutely, but then again, it's been getting worse and worse as well. I mean, I've always run a stand um, that we've had running now in the nursery car park at Flemington. For uh, We've been there in the nursery for uh, coming up to sort of 12, 13 years now since I got that licence in the nursery. Um, I, don't, I don't work there. We send the staff out there, but the difference in turnover um, from 10 years ago to the last year or two has been enormous. Uh, people now basically will sit in their car park and all just bet on their phone. Um, so whereas before they came to the races and, uh, and sit in the car park and they'd, they'd, they'd go every, every race and have a bet with the, the bookie who was uh, a few car parks down and, uh, and offering terrible odds, but it, it didn't matter. It was they were there for the experience. But now people have been so conditioned into betting on their phone that you just don't you don't get the people going out of their way to bet with the bookmakers. How does a successful three, five, seven, ten years look like for you as you transition? And what needs to happen for you to look back in a decade and say that was a you know an incredibly big change, but it's it's worked out, it's paid off, and I'm I'm very happy that I did. Yeah, well, look, I'm I'm, all, I'm all already very happy with how everything started. Uh, you know, people finding us on the internet and uh, and they're betting. So, look, I don't want to have a huge operation, but I'm not putting any limits on it. Um, really, I've only done it at the end of the day because I, I love bookmaking and I could keep doing what I was doing at the race course in the long term and be successful at it. So if I wanted to stay in bookmaking, I had to do something, and that's – at the end of the day, that's the main reason why I've gone online because I, I love what I do and I want to keep doing it. So if I can keep doing what I'm doing for another 10 or 15 years or 20 years and it's in an online environment, then I'm, I'm happy because I don't think I would have been able to keep doing that at the race course for that period of time. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I've just turned 50 and uh, I've got another 20 years of working, and I just couldn't see that the race course was going to get me to 70 years old. So uh, that's part of the reason why I've gone online, really, just because I, I want to stay in the industry, and I love it. And uh, I see the online space really is the only the only space that's going to be um, successful going forward. So I'm interested in your thoughts on the punters' side. It seems like, for the vast majority anyway, it's a, it's a good time to be alive. There's Plenty more online options. Um, you can still go to the track, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, here soon, and you can attend the, the race day experience. And And it's going to be something where if you want to have 100 each way on a Saturday, a Caulfield or 50 each way or even bet sports, you can probably have that type of experience. Is that fair to say? 
Uh, absolutely. Uh, the, punters, the punters have never been better looked after. Um, one of the, the biggest shocks to me going online is, is that all the punters, they all expect bonus bets. So it's something that you just never had to deal with when <laughs> yeah. you're at the races. You just best up and take the bets. But nearly everyone who comes to you online is expecting um, to be looked after with, uh, with bonus bets and price bumps and deposit matches and all this sort of stuff. So really, I mean, the punters never had it better. Um, you, they get their money back for second or third. They get their they, they win if there's a, a protest and their horse gets beaten. Uh, the, the experience for the punters is fantastic these days, and you can have a bit of fun as long as you gamble responsibly, and that's always important. Um, and you have the pick of the odds. I mean, uh, people like me uh, with our um, nice tax environment that we're living in, we can afford to offer best of the best on all our metro racing and there's some bookies out there who are offering it on every race in australia so when you can bet and you know you're going to get the best odds either from any tote or from any bookie i mean seriously it's uh it's just it's uh it's fantastic for punters these days and they can bet on anything you can bet on any sport in the world any race in the world at the tip of tip of your fingers so uh yeah no, the punters have got it good now and uh and they're showing that they have because they just keep betting and uh, Australian bookmakers online are the most successful almost in the world, I would suggest. Mark, can you imagine back in those Thursday night Mooney Valley meetings in the mid-2000s, me coming up to you after the first race saying, I've ran third, but I wouldn't mind my money back if that's okay. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's absolutely foreign to me. I, I, I can't <laughs> get my head around it, Jake. And, uh, but... These days, you sort of you struggle to attract the clients uh, if you don't do it. So I know it's it's just really just a promotional cost, and it's like marketing that you're giving people an opportunity to keep on betting, and you hope that by doing that they'll they'll stay with you and invest more money. So uh, I, I get I get why we're doing it, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's bizarre. It's bizarre to someone who's come from the race course environment. To have to deal with that the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. So, one final question for you, a little bit different. Myself and plenty of others, I'm sure you're the same, learn a lot from the track, whether it was from other people there, bookmakers, punters, just people hanging around when you're looking up at boards or or you're talking about a, a bad beat uh, from a race a few minutes earlier in the betting ring or whatever it might be. There's plenty of ways to, to gather information and learn from other people, and mentors and mentorship was pretty common. I'm guessing that's going to shift a lot. And for some, I, I feel sorry for someone who might be 16, 18, 21, whatever it might be. They're not going to have that same experience. So I'm trying to figure out where that mentorship, where that information, where that knowledge sharing and knowledge transfer is going to go. Do you have a sense of what that looks like in this day and age? Or have you seen any examples where um, there might be a positive to come from, come from this where we can learn from yourself, just like you learned from your father and, and all the other bookmakers around the country? Uh, good question, difficult to answer. Um, what people miss about the track, people who used to go there, Jake, like you touched on, it, it was like a community. And, uh, and it's something that I've really missed since I haven't been to races for the last six months, is it's a community, and whether it's the punters or the bookies or the people who, who just work behind the bar, there's a real community at the races and um, that is a shrinking community and, and I'm not sure if we can try and recapture that anywhere else, that mentorship that you, that you speak about is something that was just, 
it was natural and inherent in the people who were at the races. Everyone would chat to each other, everyone would tell each other stories and everyone would give each other information and you gauged um, an idea of the whole environment that you were that you were working in. So th that can't exist if we're not at the races. Uh, it doesn't exist when I'm sitting at home staring at my uh, risk management screen on my, my website. It's, uh, I, I ring up other bookies and chat. I do it every day because I miss the banter and I miss, I miss talking about uh, who's winning here and who's, who's losing there. And, and so I, I just, I, it's a very difficult question to answer, Jake. I, I don't know where we're going to go and where we're going to get it from. Uh, we see the racing shows and the commentators um, talk about, uh, about those type of things. And, and we have all the young kids at the moment. They're, they're all in punting chat rooms. And uh, that's almost replaced the, uh, the bloke sitting around the bar at Caulfield Racecourse who's, uh, who's talking to his mate. And uh, I think, so like everything, it's all going down a technological path. And uh, instead of interacting with each other, we're, uh, we're typing messages to each other in the chat room now. So uh, that looks like the way of the future. It's unfortunate that we're going to lose something, but uh, where that progresses, uh, I'm not sure. No, indeed, and I, I wish you very well on your path and, and the technological adventure you're on. Thanks for coming on the podcast. <laughs>